You're listening to another episode of Open Source CXO, the podcast designed to share insights on how to excel in your business using technology, regardless of the industry. Host Robert Kehoe is a self-taught software developer who has grown to the role of CEO. Renowned for his collaborations with organizations such as Stanford University, Nelnet, and Louis Vuitton, he continually seeks new challenges to conquer in the world of tech. Accompanying him is Don Blackburn, a veteran COO with over 25 years of experience in cultivating diverse relationships and driving innovation in various technical projects. Each week, they'll be sitting down with some of the nation's foremost technology leaders to develop an open source playbook, drawing from their firsthand experiences in the field. Let's talk some tech. So I will say, um, just this next bit of topic, I don't know much about. Um, okay. I, I would actually, it's something that I've been meaning to explore mm-hmm. a little bit further, but I just don't know a ton about. So uh, maybe you could just kind of start off by saying what SOC 2 compliance is and, and who it's for. Yeah, um, it's all very misunderstood frequently. Uh, one of the, and I'm going to do this because it, it's so hard not to. SOC 2, first of all, is not a certification. Um, it's an attestation. So at some point, uh, I'm going to say SOC 2 certified. You're never SOC 2 certified. You're SOC 2 compliant. Um, and what it is, uh, there's a group of auditors. I don't know the organization, CPA something. And they got together and said, we're going to create this standard list of controls, this service criteria list and, and all the controls that that apply to it. And there's there's five areas in the trust services criteria. And then there's all kinds of controls inside of it. And they say, you know, if your organization is following these controls, then there's a good chance that you are doing, you know, your due diligence to be a good and secure and good steward of your customer's data. So, so is this all software-based or is it is it server, hardware, like yes, network? Yes, every, everything. everything. So it's really your entire security posture. Okay. So, you know, I mean, they're thinking about data, but, you know, it, 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 it applies to your security as well. And what... What will happen is, and there's actually multiple levels of SOC 2 certification. Actually, I think there may be three, but most people work, you got type 1 and type 2. Um, type 1 is that these auditors will come in and they will look at your controls and your policies and say, yeah, it looks like they have good controls and good policies, and at least at this moment in time, at this second, that's good. And we attested that. Um, the problem with SOC 1 is, you know, it really is just that point in time. So I can I can make anything look good for half a second, you know. Yeah. Um, the SOC 2 type 2 is an audit over a period of time. And that's what really everybody wants to see. And um, they will come in and they'll audit and they'll go back months and months, sometimes an entire year, and say, you know, they'll look at your controls over that year. And did you follow your controls? Did you follow your policies? They'll they'll bring up an employee that was brought on. Okay, did you follow your onboarding policies? They'll bring up another employee and they'll say, like, show me their access and and how you're able to prove what they did. I'd like to see your change control. Um, what what we found um, was we used a, a, some software to help us with this. And this is my third time going through SOC two. Uh, first two times, it was a spreadsheet and googling policies. <laughs> and, uh, that must have been fun. Yeah, the first time I I was just tangentially involved. I was I was uh, a director, but I I wasn't over the. I was on the security team, but that's a, my only experience with it. 
Um, and it was painful. Uh-huh. It was horribly painful. And there's so much documentation with, with SOC 2. There's these tools out there. Um, Who typically writes that documentation? Just well, the company? Depends. It depends. Okay. Yeah, if you're lucky enough to have a like a GRC, like a, a security and compliance manager or a CISO or something like that, that would be their role. Okay. Um, one thing about SOC 2 is everyone thinks it's just an IT thing as well, but it really is cross-functional. Well, it covers the entire organization, it, it, it sounds it, like. It does, and especially uh, HR has a huge role in it. So, you know, are you doing background checks, you know? Are you onboarding people properly? Are you offboarding people properly? Uh, so there's, there's, you, you got to have everybody involved. Um, when we do regular risk assessments, you know, we bring the heads from all the different departments in, and we will do that. Um, not everybody needs SOC too. I was gonna, uh, uh, I was gonna say, why would you go through it, right? Yeah. Are your clients asking if you're SOC two or? So that that's where you want to do it. I mean. There, there's multiple reasons. One, if, if you've ever been in a, a situation where your clients ask you over and over again to fill out the same security questionnaire, you know, they're curious about it. I will say that getting SOC 2 attested or compliant uh, doesn't necessarily make those questionnaires go away completely. Mm-hmm. But I will say, you know, in, in the sales process, when, when we're talking to new clients and, and the salespeople can go to them and say, you know, hey, you know, we've gone through at least the rigor of showing that, you know, we, we have these controls in place and, you know, we're, you know, best in practice kind of controls. Uh, it, it goes a long ways. They may still have their own questionnaire that they want us to fill out, but it, it definitely answers a lot of those questions. If you're a B2C organization and your customers are just an end user out there, typically they're not going to ask you to be SOC 2 certified. Right. Yeah. If over half of your customers are outside of the U.S., SOC 2 is, is a very popular U.S. North American uh, attestation at policy audit, uh, it doesn't hold as much weight overseas. Okay. So uh, ISO 27001 would be, you know, if you do a lot of international business, you're going to be looking at, at that one. Right. There's a lot of overlap with SOC 2. Um, if you add some GDPR compliance and a little extra privacy and things like that, um, then you've kind of fused between SOC 2, GDPR, ISO 27001. Okay. Now, SOC 2, so let's say we were building, you know, an application for a client of ours. They were storing potentially sensitive information. Mm-hmm. This would, that would be a decent candidate for SOC 2 then? Especially if they work with, I don't know, vendors who, insurance companies, I don't know if insurance companies require this, but like I know you can get errors and emissions insurance that cover data breaches and whatnot. Is that, is that sort of thing, is SOC 2 sort of required for some of that or like? If, so there are, there are five different um, trust services criteria, and one of them is confidentiality. So let me back up a little bit. When you're looking at doing your SOC certification, I called it certification. Yeah. I told you I, told no, you I was going to do no, that. No, there isn't. <clears throat> but when you're looking at your at, at getting SOC compliance, there are five trust services criteria. And you could just do one of them. You could say, I'm SOC 2 compliant in this one area you really need to look at all of them and and probably ought to do it with a someone that really understands talk to a a lawyer or an auditor and say hey this is what our business does do do all five of them apply to us Mm -hmm. because most likely they don't 
Um, so that the one that you're talking about there would be confidentiality, right? Am I storing information that's of my customers that's critical and confidential? And I have the controls in place to do that. But let's say that you don't store any customer data, right? You probably don't need that trust services criteria in your SOC too. And why spend the time going through all the different controls and making sure that those are all in place if you're not storing any customer data? Yeah. Same thing with um, with privacy. You know, if I don't have any PII, you know, or anything that I, I'm worried about being private, you know, obviously I don't want my own control, my own stuff to go out there. But, uh, you know, if I don't have PII, then maybe I don't care about the privacy trust services criteria. So you pick and choose your five levels, you know, five services criteria that apply to you. And then you look at the controls that are applicable to those and the policies that are applicable to those. That's interesting. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's something I've never. Well, I'd ever. imagine. So I think it was MGM, Casino, uh, mm. Vegas, or whatever. They had a data well, breach. That, that would make sense. Yeah. They. I guess what happened there, from what I understand, is, um, the, you know, the person who did it or the group who did it took advantage of a help desk person. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd imagine because this is organization based, that those policies and procedures that you're discussing would that that would technically to be preventing that sort of. So is there is there training involved, like constant mm. training? Is that part of the program where you have to have certain things set up to keep your people kind of updated on the latest, I don't know, scams and phishing attempts and this and that? Is that is that part of this? Yeah, it's funny. I would imagine that the, those those uh, people that got hit were sought to and 27,001 and, and a dozen other, um, you know, being certified or attested or compliant doesn't mean that you are completely invulnerable. Completely invulnerable. The first person that thinks that is, <laughs> yeah, they're they're in trouble. Um, part of it is is ongoing training. Um, now the controls are honestly looser than I like. You know, you basically say you know, do at least once a year. You, your employees go through um, a security training, okay. and you log it. You you ensure that every employee goes through it. I used to do a 90 minute stand and deliver training once a year for every employee. And I can tell you my inbox would get full the week before. Hey man, do I, do do I, do I really need to come to that? I went last year and the year before. Uh, Is it the same, pretty much the same content every time? It it, it honestly is. I try to, I'll, uh, I would update the, you know, I would talk about most recent breaches. People, you know, companies are, our company size that got hit and hey you know just because we're this size doesn't mean that we don't have a target on us right, right. um but since then i've i've switched to using no before and i i like them quite a bit not only do they offer the security training uh but they do simulated uh phishing mm. so they'll send out emails and you know you, can, you failed this. You clicked that link. You, basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and you can choose what you want to do with them. Right. You know, you can, you know, throw off confetti canyon cannons in their queue <laughs> uh, if they did it. But kind of really, it's usually like a hey, you know, this is why this, you know, this is what you clicked on. This was the indication of why it was a bad email. And here's a video that you need to watch now. And so a five minute video on making sure that you can identify, you know, bad emails with security. You can spend millions of dollars on 
securing your perimeter and your infrastructure and things like that in one click yeah. from an employee, yeah. right? Yeah. So it really is a lot about the employee and the ongoing training. That's one of the reasons why I like the no before is they have a, they have a program. Uh, they're going to have to take me out to lunch after this, but they have a program that uh, it's called the inside man. And they have a couple of these where it's, it's like a, a, a TV series and they've hired good actors or pretty good actors. And, it's seven to 12 minutes per episode and there's a plot and it's a running plot, but each episode focuses on a different area of security. And over the course of the year, basically you've done your one and a half hour stand and deliver security, but by doing it in monthly chunks at seven to eight minutes at a time, it's, it's easier for people to say, Oh, I got, I got time for that. Right. Um, And people actually start to, get invested in the characters right? <laughs> um, at a company I was at a while back. We, by the time that we got to the end of, of season one, we actually did a watch party when they released the last episode <laughs> because we were, we were kind of invested in it. Did right? they wrap it up? Was there a cliffhanger? At the end? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, actually there, there was, well, uh, they wrapped it up enough, but then there's a season two. I think they're on like season four of it now. But wow. so what you can do is, you know, in year two of your program, do the next season. So people aren't seeing the same That's shows over and over again. That is. It really is. Yeah, I love it. It's brilliant. And then add the the fishing, uh, simulated fishing, and, and it, it's a pretty good program. So SOC 2, now that I understand it quite a bit more, it's it's, it's organizational base, it's people, it's it's all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not no, not just software, not yeah. just server and, and IT. Was, was this in place before you got to... If I schedule pro, pro, no, this is one I brought in, but uh, oh, okay. it was it was brought into an, another organization that I was at. Uh, I didn't bring it in. I loved it. Well, and it was that was the organization where I was doing ninety minute uh, training. So I loved the fact that I was off the hook for doing the the stand and deliver training. Yeah. Uh, but I liked it so much that I I've I've brought it with me everywhere. What, I've gone. what made you decide to bring it into the organization? Then is there Something that was required of you, or just noticed that we're getting too big of an organization. Uh, well, so the first one again, I didn't bring it in, someone else did. Uh, it was oh. a requirement for the training, so yeah. it, the, the training was required for SOC 2, right? Whether we did stand and deliver or this other style of training, right? It didn't matter. Um, this was th- there are other videos that come along with it, it's not just security, so you can actually buy any other ethics videos your their harassment videos and things like that so it's kind of a a, a big uh big picture tool uh, i like it quite a bit uh, obviously i'm uh, fond of it they get give a real nice dashboard for you to look at and see how everybody's doing you can set up rules new employees get these videos uh people with uh elevated access get these videos uh, so it's it, it's a pretty nice pretty nice program yeah. okay um, I will say, you know, we talked about, you know, it, there's a lot of the people element to it, but there is a security or, or hardware side of things. So endpoint security is critical. And typical stuff. Do you have antivirus? Um, do your computers do automatic updates for your employees? Do they automatically shut down and require a password when you log back in? Things like that. Um with the right tools, and there's some out there. Uh, we're using Drata, but there's another one called Aptega, uh, which is is really good as well. Um, they will uh, put a connector in with like your Intune, your Microsoft Intune, and uh, which will talk to all of your endpoints 
and then communicate with that. And it will report back to the tool and say, hey, all of my all of your endpoints are compliant. So when you get an auditor come in, they say they'll open up your your tool and say, yeah, it looks like all of your employees are compliant. Cool. Check. And it's such a wonderful thing. Yeah. They also um, policies. There's a lot of policies and a lot of policy writing. Uh, enforcing but, those seems like I, I would imagine that would be a big struggle. Just enforcing them and making sure people are, you know. It, well, deal. it is. So that part of the enforcing is, is kind of nice. We talk about the, the monitoring and with Intune and with others. So um, we also have a, a agent in uh, Azure and AWS. So it will actually go out and say, hey, looks like um, you put in this VM here and you forgot to put hard disk encryption. Okay. And it actually monitors your entire platform oh. and will phone home back to, to the tool and say, hey, this isn't fixed. So when the auditors come in, you know, they, they look at this and they have a pretty good indication of, eh, yep, there was a problem. It's going to be a problem. Looks like they fixed it within a day or two. That's what I would expect. Good to go. So does manual processes and procedures, is that covered under SOC 2 then? Like even like you talked about onboarding, I was mm-hmm. curious enforcing something like that, making sure I, I could imagine a lot of that can be yeah, pretty ch- manual. Change management, um, onboarding, um, pen tests. You know, there's a lot of How things. How do you keep track of those things then? From yeah, to, in, to be compliant? In, in the tool, um, you know, sometimes it's just like a snapshot. Okay. Um, I I upload the results of my pen test into that tool, you know, and so the auditors come in, they get this one-stop shop where they can see the proof, you know, and every time that you do it, they're going to come back and say, okay, well, looks like, you know, you check this checkbox for all of your employees. Show me these five employees that term to show me uh, how you executed their, uh, you know, their offboarding and, and, you know, what, what steps you took or show me your change management process. Did you, who approved, you know, these five releases? So there's, there's, there's definitely manual pieces to it, uh, but these tools are pretty good about helping you track it and whether or not then it's, you know, your job to go in and, and pull in all of that data and take a snapshot of it. And after doing it, the first, the first year is brutal. I'll be honest, the first year is usually pretty brutal. Uh, after that, you know, you kind of, have the processes in place yeah. and the, the trick there is just you know hey let's let's not go backwards let's make sure that we're maintaining right. these processes are these independent auditors or is there an organization that has a, a group of auditors that does all of them so the there is an overarching organization uh, that uh, these auditors have to are part of um, probably and, get certified and- yeah they're cert- they are certified. There you go. Now we get They're certified to attest you. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, so they are they are independent. Um, you know, it, it helps like if you're using a certain tool like Drata or Aptega, uh, you find someone that is familiar with that so that they know how to navigate around it. That's that's helpful. Um, but yeah, there's there's quite a few out there. And then and, they issue you some sort of a documentation say you are compliant. Yeah. In these different yeah. areas of Sock too. Yeah, and then when you have uh, a new customer or someone that says, "Hey, I'd like to see your Sock two uh, documents," you can say, "Here it is." And the, does that happen often? Yes. That you have clients come in that ask. Yeah. Are the universities? Or? The universities do. The bigger schools do. Um, 
you know, any any deal, you know, any government entity That's does. what I was going to yeah. say is I always thought that was kind of a government thing. Like a lot of the government entities would would be interested in soccer. I, I would say that they are, but they are and then some. Right. So they don't they don't definitely don't just stop with sock too. Then they've got their own set of questionnaires before they they go any further. Um and you know, SOC two would be, you know, a lot of these controls are things that you would want to do before you went FedRAMP, you know, which is kind of the, the big military or DOD or government. And that's, you know, typically on their servers, on their version of GovCloud or whatever. Um but having these controls in place is a great stepping stone if you want to go that route. And if you want to say, hey, I'd like to get into the the government contracting business, then, you know, being SOC 2 would be a great first step. Sure. Gotcha. Okay. Good to know. We haven't, yeah. Yeah. we haven't made that leap, but, you know, that would be... I mean, we've yeah. helped with various things, you know, print mm-hmm. testing and, and various things like that, but that was probably ultimately for SOC 2 compliance. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, just having the policies in place is the big one. Having mm-hmm. You get your policies. From your policies, you get your controls. And then you figure out where your gaps are, right? Yeah. And then you fill those gaps, and then you're ready to at least do your your type one. Is this sort of a, obviously it's a huge time constraint. Is this sort of a very expensive initiative as well? No idea. Couldn't even yeah, uh, it, it certainly can be. It, okay. it obviously depends on the complexity of your organization. Sure. If you've got one server and three employees, it, no. it can yeah. go. Right, right. But, but I would say one server the, and three the, employees, would, they, would that even be? Probably not. Okay. Yeah, but the policies that you have to write aren't really any different from one employee to a, a million employees, right? Right. Um, You've got to have this set of policies that say that, you know, your acceptable use policy, your blah, blah, blah policy. You know, there's there's maybe 20 policies that you complete. And these these tools are great because they'll give you templates at least. And you can download them all day long. Like if you want to do Excel and, and your own, I you know, more power to you. Yeah. <laughs> Did that once uh, and it was awful. Yeah. But uh, um, but you, you certainly can. Um, having someone... Uh, you know, we, we have someone now, we did my first year uh, of doing this uh, with, with Flight Schedule Pro. So that was one of my first one of my first jobs was to take that over the finish line. And, and uh, our CEO had, CTO had started it and he said, here, you know, take this over the finish line. And then we hired a, a security and compliance manager right at the very end when we were finishing our audit. And he helped take it, you know, that first one over the finish line. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of work. I was going to ask, is that normally a CISO kind of a role? Typically, a CISO would handle that. Yeah, yeah that's what I figured. Yeah. That's awesome. No, this is, that was very good. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I really didn't know. No, I didn't know. I, I've been meaning more. to dig into it more because yeah. we've had people asking, and I see it all the we, time. We now. get asked about, you know, what are, what are your, you know, what how do you guys handle security and mm-hmm. securing data and so forth, and we can obviously answer that, but, uh, but having a certification would be a bad idea or i'm sorry not a compliance yeah yeah being attested yeah it's it, it it does help um you know our salespeople really appreciate it um, well it's another yeah it's another thing to put on your website it's another yeah. thing for them to pitch it, it just doesn't it doesn't guarantee anything it just guarantees that you're doing the right things yeah yeah the likeliness is less yeah that's right yeah. Goal there, so. but you, you, they're basically saying, "Hey, yeah, we we take security seriously." Yeah, for sure. Awesome. 
Yeah. Well, man, I really do appreciate your time. Thank I do. You. Um,